G'day, hello and welcome to the Gospel Freedom Podcast. My name is Mitchell Parker. It is fantastic to have your company once again on the podcast today. I have UAP candidate for the seat of Greenway, Mark Riggs, joining me for a long-form interview. But before we get into the interview, let's take a listen to what's coming up. You know, it's the country that I stand for and I fight for. Uh, yeah, XX and XY chromosomes. Men and women. Uh, that's just Ricardo. Ricardo Bossi. He is a very outspoken, uh, motivational speaker. I guess that's the big issue. We need to be able to implement these policies. And they all work together. Joining me today is United Australia Party candidate for Greenway, Mark Rex. Thank you for being here. Thanks, mate. Thanks, Mitchell. How are you going? Good, thank you. Um, so before we begin, could you tell me a little bit about yourself and why you chose to run? Uh, okay, so I'm, um, I'm a father of two, two young kids, and we live in uh, Riverston uh, within the Greenway electorate. And um, as you are probably aware, the last two years have uh, imposed some serious uh, lockdowns and restrictions for the Blacktown LGA. We were one of the most affected um, other than Fairfield and um, yeah that really put a strain on uh, on my family the community um, and our kids um, and also my business uh, I'm, um, and that was uh, I guess that was the the main reason that I was just sick and tired of everything and, and decided to stand up and be heard because Voting all my life, uh, and I'm a conscious voter, uh, a bit of a swing voter. I vote for a party that has very good policy for what's happening. And um, right now, I just uh, I saw an opportunity to stand up and be heard. And then I was um, endorsed by United Australia Party, um, which I accepted because I aligned very closely with their policy, um, which was uh, which we'll go into. But um, yeah, look, and my background, uh, um, uh, I'm a private investigator. Uh, ran my business for over 10 years, um, fairly successful up until the last two years. Uh, prior to that, um, I'm ex-military, um, ex-New South Wales Police, so I've given about 19 years of uh, state and national service to the country. Um, and it sort of hurts to see that um, this country is um, slowly uh, being undone um, by forces outside of our government, I guess. Um, and, and, you know, it's the country that I stand for and I fight for. Um, so, yeah, so some of those, uh, they're, they're the, uh, that's my background and I guess uh, a strong tie to um, Australia and uh, the freedom of the nation. Um, I'm also a justice of the peace as well. So um, I do commit um, uh, volunteer work within the, um, within the community on that level. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, you've had a lot of community involvement, so it's quite mm. disappointing what's happened, you know, how treated people, especially like you in the community, of, you know, you know, being in the army, being in the police and justice and peace. Um, so I want to talk a little bit about, uh, you alluded to forces outside our government. Um, there's been a lot of censorship of your content on social media and the UAP overall, uh, and the taking down of Craig Kelly's Facebook was probably the most egregious um, action. What do you think was the, was the motivation for mm. doing this? Oh, look, I'm I'm really unsure of the actual reasons, and I'm I, you, I rely a lot on fact, um, and there's been no public announcement and no factual information as to why it was taken down, and 
why I had been restricted um, for 30 days. Um, uh, but it's safe to say it falls back onto uh, the current, current government's um, ability to manipulate the media uh, and social media. Uh, we want to look, Facebook Australia um, works under the, the Australian laws and it's oversighted by our government at the end of the day, so as with all media. Um, so I think there is a big, there's a strong government influence um, on social media. Um, and I think that's, in my opinion, it's one of the reasons that um, we are getting um, restricted and banned on these platforms. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that moving on from that slightly, you know, one of the most dangerous laws, Online Safety Act, is now in force and passed Parliament. And it was without votes in either House. What are your thoughts on the bill and how it will impact free speech? Yeah, look, it's, I'm not, I haven't looked into the, um, the Online Safety Act 21. Um, I know it's more expansive and, mm. and, and it's, a, it's a stronger act in relation to um, uh, keeping um, our social uh, media and information technology um, content safer. Uh, I don't like using that word, mm. but um, and it's to keep pace with the advances in technology and threats um, of online and harmful, harmful behaviour, I guess, but I think that can be used um, in other ways. Um, but look, I haven't really, I haven't really addressed the Online Safety Act, and I haven't um, read through it um, you know, in detail to be able to make a um, an informed opinion of it. Although I just, I, I know it is um, just a line of restriction. Um, yeah, that, that will eventually come around and bite us in the ass. Yeah, <laughs> so I did. Been... Yeah, I did. I did a, I did a blog post once when I found about it. Found out, found out about it, and so so much of it was was about you know they said they would take into the intention of the content, but they I don't think they realised that content doesn't have intentions; it's the person that has the intentions. And so I think from even drafting the bill, they they tried to sound like they were taking into account like they said if it was artful or there was some sort of purpose. But we all know that if you have a bureaucrat deciding things, then it's just purely what they think and. And, you know, the UK's passed similar legislation. And, of course, we want, you know, the online community to be safe, but you have to be very careful in how you do that. And with what Facebook and, and Twitter and, and YouTube and all been doing, you know, they've all been doing, giving them more power, is that, or, or giving it to another bureaucrat, basically, because they're basically bureaucrats. is um, not too good. Um, Let's hope uh, Elon Musk um, brings everybody back onto Twitter. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. I think, I think it would be a good thing. You know, have have at least one platform. <laughs> yeah, um, we'll see how that goes. Look, I'm um, very open minded with that. Yeah, mm-hmm. hope. Yeah, hopefully it will. I'm I'm, 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 I'm not too sure. Um, they, you know, we've we've seen you know big tech try and censor small platforms that are free speech. Will they do it to Twitter? Yeah, yeah. we'll see. There's always there's always underlying issues and uh, agendas um, from corporate doing these things, but we'll see what happens. Yeah, for now. Yeah. For now, good sign. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what do you think um, is the big, is the biggest thing that uh, the UAP can do um, to ensure that no government in Australia can do what happened over the past few years? Uh, can this be done with a few Senate or House seats, or is this requiring a full, mm. full, you know, seventy-six seat majority? Yeah. Look, the UAP want to abolish all the public health orders, um, abolish lockdown laws, um, movement restrictions, mandates. Um, and that, uh, I think, can only be 
done through repeal legislation, both state and federal levels. But we're going to need more than a few seats in the Senate and the lower house. We are going to need, we are really going to need a majority in the lower house. Uh, and we're going to need a moderate number of seats in the Senate because these policies that we have, and they're strong policies, um, and they don't align with Liberal and Labor at all, all the Greens. So we're going to get a lot of um, kickback if we don't have the numbers to support that. Um, so we do definitely, um, we definitely need a lot of seats. There's no way that we're going to be able to move any of this policy through with just a few seats in the lower house um, and just a few seats in the Senate. We look, we will be able to maybe block um, some things with the help of independents and other um, other uh, seats that um, you know that we can um, uh, we can align with, but. Yeah, it's it's it won't look good if we only just get a few seats in, and I don't think we. I think we'll get a. I think we'll get a a, a moderate number of seats um, in the Senate, and uh, I really hope uh, a, a fair few in the lower house. Actually, I'd, I'd like to see a uh, Kelly government. That'd be nice. Absolutely. Um, yeah. You know, I have to say, if people didn't know, a little bit biased. I mean, you pay. Uh, can um, not candidate members, so if people don't know, it's a little bit biased here, but absolutely. Um, I just want to quickly ask something about uh, Craig Kelly's bill. You know, mandatory hey, vaccination. Look, we, need, we need a change, and we need yeah. we need somebody that's. Yeah. Yeah, I was just going to yeah. ask about that. I was going to say, is is that something that you can get and say, you know, yeah, even though we have a comprehensive set of economic policies, the government, if you put in this, you know, no domestic passport bill, that means you don't necessarily have to go through the states because. The Commonwealth government has that Medicare data that is able to stop the states using that to enforce mandates. So, you, so you, they all that bill does is ensure that uh, you can turn off that system. The states can't use that data, and the mandates essentially become ineffective. Is mm. that something you reckon that I know you're not in in the the, the process of trying to, to negotiate? But is that something that would sort of be a non-negotiable if, say, a government approach? You know, we want like at least one thing, just so you know, they're clear what, what you want if they want yes. confidence in supply, yeah. which they're all saying that's they don't, but we'll see. Yeah, look, that's one thing we stand for, and that's to abolish all of this. So if we if there's just one thing that we want to stand up against, that would be it, yeah, it, to, to, to end the mandates, to end the, the lockdowns, to end this, um, you know, the, the coercion and restrictions all surrounding the vaccine and this so-called um, COVID-19 pandemic which apparently there's record numbers of COVID um, reports daily, over 10,000, I think there was in Victoria, um, you know, so many in Queensland. But if we had 200 cases in New South Wales, we were locked down. Mm. Yeah, we've now got about 11,000 cases and we're just walking around shaking hands, having coffee with our friends in most places. So it's a ridiculous, it's an absolutely ridiculous um, you know, law, um, the restrictions are, but that's me. Yeah, I do remember when it was locked down in one case down in uh, Mark McGowan's land in Western Australia. Could we even call it Australia anymore? Could we just call it Western? Yeah. It's like yeah. they were yeah. locked for so locked away for so long, like just yeah. And, and it and for what for? Uh, look, seriously, um, look, we could debate about this all day in yeah. relation to into COVID 19 and. Um, and, and what it really is, and it's a it's a it's an upper res respiratory infection. Um, yes, uh, it can uh, appear to um, if affect 
uh, older people with um, uh, certain health conditions, um, uh, lung and heart conditions, um, obesity, um, comorbid conditions. Uh, and yes, we've seen that. We've seen a lot of deaths um, from uh, the elderly with um, a high rate of comorbidity. So, it, it, yes, but you haven't. We haven't seen children from naught to five. You haven't seen a massive mm. increase in children from naught to five. You haven't seen a massive increase from you know, twelve years old to almost seventy years old. When you look at the data, um, yeah, I'm sure there's forty year olds uh, that have got. Um, and if they get COVID, um, they might be severely affected and they could, um, you know, they could die as a result um, uh, of uh, catching COVID. But, you know, it, it's not, you know, we could, that can happen with influenza. It's exactly the same. But we don't lock down for influenza every, every flu season, do we? Yeah, it's, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, that, that's probably one of the things that, to me the most is to see you know what they're what they're, what they're calling a vaccine and they, they you know giving it to kids and the parents are you know they're you know they're so scared yeah. and they give it to them yeah, well we've, we've seen what's just come yeah. out yeah you know we've seen the pfizer data we've seen you know whenever you check the um and dae and and you know and that's, even that's the- yeah even during last year i was checking seeing all the adults and seeing all the deaths like you know Every day you would hear, oh, so many people died from the virus, but you never heard how many people died. So died with the virus. No, you didn't hear with the vaccine. It was always, they always used the different yeah. language. Yet even yeah. when the language was the same, they decided to ignore the facts, which is. That's right. Oh, look, they changed the wording from of COVID to with COVID quite quickly because mm. they knew that it was not quite well there. But we still know that dying with COVID, you can have a trace of COVID-19 in your system and then uh, die of, um, you know, the heart-related issue two months down the track and I'll still tick it in the box as dying with COVID when it was totally unrelated. So, And now that we've seen the Pfizer documents that have come out, that is, that is fantastic. I mean, the efficiency rate what, from 49% in the first week down to 12% mm. after the first week. Yeah, to be called a vaccine, I think it's supposed to be over 50% efficiency. Um, so we can't really even call it a vaccine. You know, 1,200 exactly. people died in the first month of the trial. Mm. Um, you know, the, the vaccine has caused problems with uh, pregnant uh, pregnant women. There we go. Good um, good word. You got it right. Some people don't women. even know how to say that anymore. <laughs> they yeah. say pregnant people. People. Oh, don't get me started on that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. XX and XY chromosomes. There we go. Yeah, men and women. We, we, ha- we have a definition. Um, yeah. Oh, sometimes. Yeah. We have a complete definition. Yeah. Scientific and religious. Yeah. It's a complete accurate. Yeah. But that's that, that that's it's um kind of bring me to a, a different point, which is that everything seems to be going really crazy right now. Everything, you know, we don't even know biology. Um, but within the freedom movement, um, we have figures like the Ozzy Kozak, that's Simeon Boykov, people who don't know, Morgan C. Jones, a few others that haven't been so kind to the UAP, especially in recent times. What are your thoughts on this? Are they justified? Oh look. Both of those individuals, Morgan Jonas is a he's a nice guy and he was endorsed by United Australia Party. I think he resigned because he didn't align with some of the policy and the methods in which we were operating. Yeah, look, it's a big party, so we have to um, we have to make um, you know uh, certain decisions for the whole of the party, not for individuals. Um, and yes, yeah, some of the decisions. UAP made probably didn't assist me greatly in Greenway, but 
Um, but, you know, it's not for me to jump ship and just say, no, thanks for coming, see you later. Like, there's a lot of things that they still do as a whole that helped me, so, um, in, in this electorate. So, you know, he's, and I think with Morgan, he he's a really good freedom companion, um, a freedom party, um, uh, you know, uh, alliance um but his emotions i think get the better of him when he's speaking about uap um and it's not um i don't think it's advantageous to try and split up um the freedom parties whether we have slightly different views or we're a little bit emotional or disgruntled with certain things um which brings me down to simone so aussie kozak he um i've never really followed him i never liked him um, because he's outspoken, um, he incites arguments, which creates, um, you know, hostility. Um, yes, he brings up good points. He's very vocal. Uh, a lot of people are very vocal. That's great. But I don't think we need those sort of um, outspoken people as a diplomatic politician at the end of the day. And that's what we're going in for. I'm going in to speak for, for my uh, constituents, but... I need to be diplomatic and uh, level-headed um, in government. Um, you know, uh, so you know he doesn't. I don't think he represents that that type of character. I think he was a bit disgruntled that he wasn't endorsed um, by the UAP, uh, and I know why. Um, he's affiliated with the Russian outlaw motorcycle gang. We know this, the Nightwolves, right? They're anti-Australian, pro-communist. Um, gangs, and they're spread throughout the world. Um, they, they quite clearly um, and overtly um, show themselves that way. Um, they advocate for a Putin world order. So uh, I don't think that's something that we really want here in Australia. Um, he's got a prohibition for not being able to hold firearms, um, you know, and he's on the police watch list. So naturally, he was never going to be endorsed by the UAP for his character. Uh, wasn't wasn't a good standing. So you know, that's, um, you know, unfortunately, that's just uh, his story and that's why he's not with the United States Party. And I think that's why he um, he's a bit disgruntled against us. Actually, I think one of the things that always surprised me is that he was like, you know, we should have democracy, we should have freedom here in Australia. And yet he would be championing Putin. And whatever you, whatever you think about Russia and Ukraine, it's not like one side's a, a, a wonderful raging democracy and uh, that's mm. certainly the case for Putin so I really don't understand his view yeah. there yeah so he's contradicting himself every time he speaks um, you know either what are you pro pro democracy Australia or you pro communism Putin um, you know there's two sides of the seesaw and you can't really sit in the middle um, yeah look it's and look it does come down I think a lot of his um, you know, his uh, comments come from UAP's, um, uh, we haven't made any formal statement on Russia or Ukraine conflict, uh, and we're not going to. Um, it doesn't affect this election. It doesn't affect our economy, um, and it doesn't affect um, saving Australia and returning our freedoms, um, you know, bringing our economy back up to a stable level. Uh, not at this stage. You know, if we were in government, uh, we might have a more definitive um, stance on the conflict, uh, you know, and, and work and address it, I guess, as a government. Um, 
through proper uh, uh, debate. But right now, you know, is that going to stop interest rates from rising if we, um, uh, you know, if we advocate for either side? Is it going to, um, you know, bring the cost of living down? No, it's got nothing to do with Australia right now. Absolutely. Um, I think, yeah, that, that, that's something that, you know, everyone needs to, everyone can have a different opinion on, everyone can have a different thing, but just because you haven't expressed a particular view doesn't mean that, you know, mm-hmm. you're not supportive of, you know, some yeah. parts of either side. And that's, that's I think, the big thing is it's sort of become the next, I think for some parts of the freedom movement and the mainstream media, it's become the, the new, uh, you know, I agree with the current thing. And it feels like that's just the cycle sort of continued. I think it's a little bit disappointing. Mm. Well, look, we've got 151 candidates running for the lower house and every 151 different opinions. Um, so, you know, at the end of the day, we can address that. If we were in, in government, we can address that um, accordingly and uh, we can express our opinions there. But as long as our opinions are in line with what our community thinks, um, you, know, don't, you know, personal opinions are great. Um, but that's where we lead down the path of the government we've got now. They're all in it for their own agendas and their own opinions. They don't listen to their constituents and they don't represent their community and their electorates. And that's why that's one of the reasons as well that I'm standing here for Greenway because I want I want to represent the people. I'm a person I want to re- wants to re- people that represent the people. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, talking, moving on a little bit about being a candidate and the election. Uh, you know, you said, you know, you're someone, you know, of the people, you know, you want to represent their views. The mainstream media is now finally picking up on that. People, you know, think that the, the UAP is actually a real contender. I read a, a little article, I think it was originally in the Age or in Sydney Morning Herald, but it said that North Melbourne seats are particularly uh, in focus for the UAP and they really think they can win. Um, but do you think you can overcome that spin that the media continues to put out against the party and say, oh, Claire Palmer's spending so much money and blah, blah, blah. Can you Can you overcome that? And you know, reach those voters that you haven't already reached yet. Look, we're we're always on the back foot. We're always going to be on the back foot, and it's because everybody has this, uh, you know, this stigma of Clive. Um, and I think you know we need to stop looking at how Clive is spending his money and ha- have a look at how Labor and Liberal are spending uh, your taxpayers' money this election. I mean. They're throwing it around like it's, you know, like they don't care. And, you know, we're footing the bill. I mean, the reason we're getting a lot of traction now in the um, in the media is because uh, we pose a real threat to the two major parties. Uh, we're showing the nation there's more than just two to choose from. Um, so hopefully, you know, we'll, we'll see more. I, I hope that our movement will see more minor parties, growing membership um, and gain ground and provide even more choice uh, in future elections to show there's more than three parties. Uh, you know, you've got four or five big parties to choose from. That would be a fantastic um, election um, to be able to, you know, create government through, you know, a choice of different prime ministers and, and parties. Um, but we'll see. But, yes, um, look, I, I think mainly... Um, we posed a very big threat. Uh, I don't think they realised um, how much of a following and how much of a threat United Australia Party were going to be against the major two. Um, and you'll probably notice that our policies, uh, especially um, our economic policies that address, um, you know, the uh, $1 trillion national debt, um, hyperinflation, uh, increased 
uh, increasing interest rates, mortgage interest rates, well, uh, the RBA cash rate. Um, so we've got policy that can address that quite quickly um, and and basically save, you know, majority of Australians from uh, defaulting on home loans. Uh, and we haven't been... We haven't been uh, scrutinised or discredited from any of those policies by the major two parties because they know it can be done. If our policies were not able to be um, enacted uh, and 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 work, we would be we would be absolutely ridiculed over over media day and night over these policies. You know our promises, um, but I have not heard one peep from Labor or one peep from Liberals about our, our economic policies to save Australia because they know that it can be done. Yeah, I think uh, the only real talk I've heard is, you know, a few snippets from Sky News. I don't really watch them because um, I think even there, they're, they're starting to, you know, apart from a few people, they're, they're, they're more mainstream narrative. I didn't hear a peep from them about the segregation occurred last year. And I think yeah. in some places still occur, I'm not sure, um, with the vaccine mandates is what I'm referring to. Mm. Um they, they, they did have one question, um, which I'll pose to you. How will the 3% fix on the, the, max, the maximum amount for home loan rates, how will that be achieved? Is that, they seem to be confused. Is this putting the banks saying the banks, you must do this, or is this through the RBA saying you can't raise rates higher than this? Yeah, so we're not, we're, the RBA was, um, uh, when it was created, there was legislation to um, allow the RBA to act independently of the government um, through the uh, through, through the Reserve Bank Act, and so that prevents governments from uh, manipulating the RBA uh, for their benefit. Uh, and so rightly, I mean, that's so they should. Um, and we're not looking to we're not touching the RBA. The RBA um, is increasing the cash rate. Uh, in accordance with its um, forecast of inflation um, due to the national um, debt. Uh, so they use uh, a lot of, um, you know, uh, research and study uh, to uh, forecast to look at inflation, um, the GDP, um, you know, housing, the economy itself, just everything. And they, they use that to um, adjust the cash rate accordingly, you know, to try and stabilise the economy um, uh, and that's fine. They, they can do that. Um, if we address the national debt uh, and, and we can address high, the hyperinflation, uh, the, the, the Reserve Bank can actually you know, do a um, reforecast and go, well, hang on a second, that's being addressed. It's starting to come down. We might not have to raise interest rates um, five times before uh, the next financial year. We might have to. We might only have to do it two times, and it might not be big jumps. So that takes care of the RBA. We we take care of the root cause of inflation. Uh, that will allow the RBA to uh, reforecast what they need to do to cash rate. We, under legislation, under the Constitution, I think it's Section Fifty One, Part Thirteen, um, the government has the ability to control the banks. Um, uh, and, and regulate um, in the need, um, you know, for, for the Australian economy. Uh, so we we will be capping banks' mortgage lending rates, the current ones, at three percent for five years. 
So they, the banks can still lend money on a personal loan or business loan or credit cards at, um, at any percentage they want to. Um, but the current mortgages will be capped at 3% for five years to allow the current homeowners the ability to gain some financial stability within their household um, that, that's, um, that's come about the last two years, all this instability and, and hardship. So the UAP... Um, we will, if we have a government, we will be able to um, control that sector. Um, and that's through legislation. Um, we're not, we, we don't, we're not touching the Reserve Bank um, uh, cash rate. Uh, and in saying that, the banks, everybody goes, well, you know, the banks are going to lose money. You know, if the cash rate goes up to, you know, it's at... Uh, 0.35 at the moment, it'll go up to, I predict, probably 0.5. So it'll go up 15 basis points um, in the next few months. And by the end of the year, we'll probably see close to 1% on the cash rate. Um, that will, you know, push the banks to, you know, push their home loan rates up to 5 6% um, by the end of the year. Um, and that's fine. But the banks don't predominantly borrow their money from the RBA. Um, they, banks make their money from international investments. So regardless of whether we cap their mortgage lending rates, their current mortgage lending rates at 3% for five years, banks are still going to make billions of dollars profit every year. Mm. They do also lend between themselves. So that's another way they get finances, lending between themselves. Well, they do. They lend between themselves. They lend between uh, the world banks. Um, they they carry on with international investments, bonds, um, the trading of bonds. Um, they also borrow off the Reserve Bank as well. But you know, the banks don't just get their money from the Reserve Bank of Australia. I think everybody's a little bit close-minded in relation to how the banking system works. Um, you know, I, I'm not a financial minister. I'm, I'm not, um, you know, extremely clued into the into that area, but you know, I know enough to understand that uh, we are able to cap banks' mortgage rates uh, at three percent for five years, and that banks will not be affected greatly in us doing that. They will still make a massive profit every year. I just want to ask: Could you explain to people who are not sure? Some people who don't really know that here's here there here here that there's inflation. Can you tell me why we need the home loans to be frozen at 3% or below? Can you tell me, and you can tell our listeners exactly why, what is the big thing that's going to happen if we don't do this? You know, what, what are we actually facing as an economy? And just the, the general picture, as you sort of said. Not the yeah, look, it's just, it's just in general, I'll speak directly to the Greenway electorate. We are one of the most financial financially stressed uh, electorates in New South Wales, which means that 75% of homes are under financial stress right now. Uh, when I say financial stress, financial stress is measured as the amount of money that you have remaining after your mortgage uh, and basic living expenses, uh, which means that most households, after they've paid their mortgage, their food, their utilities, and all their basic living expenses, have very, very little money in the bank left. So they're living week to week or fortnight to fortnight on their paychecks. They don't have enough money to save. 
if something does go wrong, they don't have anywhere to fall back on. So this financial stress, uh, you know, with that limited amount of, um, you know, of, um, of uh, expendable income at the end, if interest rates rise, uh, mortgage interest rates rise by the end of next, by the end of this year. So we've only got about uh, seven months to go. If the RBA uh, increase the cash rates and the banks obviously follow suit and push their mortgages, mortgage rates up to, you know, six percent by the end of the year, that's we're going to create around sixty percent default on home loan mortgages, and that's there's probably going to, and that's nationwide. We will look in Greenway. I think it will be um, a whole lot worse. I think it'll be seventy. 75%, three quarters of our electorate will go into uh, extreme financial hardship to the point where they will, they, they will most likely default uh, on their home loans. That's, you know, that's, um, that's somewhere where we can't be. And defaulting on home loans um, you know, and um, having to foreclose, um, you know, sell, sell up, um, go back into renting, uh, there's, there's, there's no money going to the economy. Um, you know, housing, it'll affect housing prices um, in the area, um, you know, and, and even rental prices as well. I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I'm not just talking about mortgage, uh, people's mortgage repayments increasing. Uh, you know, the renters who are renting a house um, from a landlord that has a mortgage on that house, uh, when he's... Mortgage repayments go up, uh, you know, a thousand dollars in the month. Uh, I can guarantee you that the five hundred dollars rent they're paying a week will go up to six hundred dollars straight away, because the landlord needs to cover his expenses, and it goes down to the end consumer, which is the rentee. So, you know, it doesn't just affect homeowners; it affects the renters as well. Absolutely, and also there's more competition if there are more renters in the markets, you know, that's going to drive the price up further. And um, I want to get slightly conspiratorial from him. And, and I'm just going to think about how the line from the World Economic Forum was, you know, the you'll own nothing and you'll be happy. Um, and I'm not saying it could cause this if it happens, but I'm saying it is strangely like it, you know, kicking, as you said, 70% of people out of their homes. It does sound like, well, that's almost, that's, you know, a substantial proportion of the population, you know, being removed from something that, that most people have in terms of like their big ownership, yeah. removing all that security from them, that, that's massive. Yeah. yeah, removing the Australian dream to own your home, you know, 2.2 kids, a car and a dog, um, you know, removing that, that, that home, that, that one piece of, you know, uh, solid foundation that surrounds the Australian dream, that'll crumble a lot of families. Um, you know, it's, to own nothing and be happy, it's it's coming to that, and whether this was um, manipulated from higher up, or it was just a circumstance of really bad economics from our current governorship, it's it, it does appear to look that way. Um, but also, to looking at Labor's policy, um, where they want to introduce. Um, uh, a policy where they will, and it's only for a limited number of homeowners, to put down a 40% guarantee on your home. So the Labor Party want to own 40% of your home. 
you know. So I'm not sure where that's going. For starters, I don't know how they're going to fund it, but it's, you know, they're going to own almost half of your home. So you'll own half and be happy. <laughs> you know, people just aren't aware of what's going on and, and the amount of, um, you know, economic instability that we have right now. It's a crisis. And the United Australia Party are, are here with solid policy to get everybody out of troubles. Uh, homeowners, renters, small business, small to medium business, um, you know, just everybody, tradies, um, uh, the, the elderly, defence, healthcare, education. Uh, we've got the policy there and we've got the, the economic policies uh, have uh, are there to um, to address everything to you know to um, bring back um, massive revenue back into the country so that we're able to to fund all of these policies like without taxing the, you know without taxing everybody without increasing taxes putting new levies on and you know and, and increasing GSTs um, you know we've got solid revenue streams through our policies, to be able to put billions of dollars back into our economy and into infrastructure, um, you know, and it's people just don't see it. It's, it's, um, it's unbelievable. You know, it's right there. And we don't get ridiculed for it from the major parties because they know it can be done. Yeah, as, as I think one of the things I've, uh, um, I've struggled to understand, I thought, you know, why don't, why don't they have a debate with, you know, put the Greens up there, put you up there or put mm. One Nation? And then... I also heard, uh, I think it was a couple of months ago, they said they actually want to create a debate commission. So there's only ever the two, well, the, the two so-called major parties, Liberal and Labor. You know, if the UOP get lots of seats, you know, Liberal and Labor won't be the major parties anymore. But uh, they just want to keep the duopoly and, and, and make sure the yeah. debates run between two people. But even, yeah. in, even in the UK in 2015, you know, they had like four or five parties up there. There's no reason why you can't have a debate, you know, put Craig Kelly up there, put Clive Palmer mm-hmm. up there, you know, if it's more just an economic debate and have the treasurer up there. And yeah. I'd love to see Adam Bant alongside Jim Chalmers, Josh Frydenberger and, 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 and oh. uh, Clive Palmer. Like, get steamrolled. You know, Clive just oh, he, he knows how to speak. And, and Yeah, but he's, but he's, he's um, you know, commitment and... Um, you know, uh, motivation behind the policies mm. uh, and their true policies, their policies that we can actually go right back to the very start and say, yes, we can implement these and this is how, and this is how it works. You know, we can show the mechanics of how the policies work. Whereas Liberal and Labor, they, they spurt what they promised to do, but they don't tell you how they're going to do it. They don't tell you where their money's coming from, where the funding's coming from, how it's going to be funded, and how the policy promises are going to come true. They just give you a, a promise. And, you know, we've known this for the last 30 years that the two parties' promises are really, really, they really ever come through. Absolutely, yeah. I, I just love to see uh, Clive Palmer taking down Adam Bant, you know, oh, saying, you know, oh. he want whatever crazy policy wants, Labor wants 60, sorry, 40% ownership, you know, Greens don't oh, want 60% and, you know. Clive would cut him down. <laughs> oh, dear. Be hilarious, yeah. Yeah. But he's, look, Clive's, Clive's a very, very intelligent man. I mean, you don't, you know, you don't make billions of dollars um, without having, you know, a certain amount of intelligence and, um, and 
you know, motivation, um, very, very, very business orientated um, and financially orientated. He's, you know, if, if he can, if he can do that, you know, yeah, sure. He's a billionaire and sure. He's a bit of, he, he might be a, a mining, um, you know, um, you know, he's, he's got the ability to, to, um, you know, to be able to, uh, you know, work, to, you know, to, to, to run the treasury. Um, you know, we've got Dominic uh, Martino, ex-CEO of Deloitte, the most qualified financial, you know, um, financial services person in, in Australia. If he can't manage a federal budget, who can? Yeah, we've got we've got uh, ministers in the Treasury and Friedberg uh, who have got no financial accreditations whatsoever. So no wonder our the budgets. Up to shit. <laughs> and you know, you know, why would we want a treasurer who's under threat by you know a little, um, yes, the doctor who thinks that the world's going to end and they're spending millions of dollars, you know, mm. in the seat. Maybe not millions, but they're spending a lot of money. You know, you know, mm. all the, you know, the Sky News hosted a debate between them. I mean, why would you? Why would you? How, how can you trust a treasurer that that's potentially? You know, they're all saying they said it last time with the Greens, you know, losing his seat to the Greens. Mm. But why would you have a treasurer who's under the threat from an independent who really doesn't know anything? Yeah, exactly. Look, I think I think a lot of um, a lot of things are coming undone. People are slowly starting to see the truth. They're slowly starting to see the failures um, of the big two parties. Whether it's um, you know whether there's enough time for a majority of the people to see that. Um, I don't know. A lot of people have started voting. I've been out in the pre-poll um, centres the last this this week um, between the three in my area, and I can tell you now there are a lot of people uh, that basically just snub the United Australia Party, the Independents. A lot of them are, are, are Labor voters, and it's um, it's disheartening to see because they don't. I don't think they really understand what they're voting for. Um, they just because their grandfather voted Labor, their father voted Labor, and now they're voting Labor. Um, and I've asked them. I said, "What are Labor's policies? <laughs> did Clive pay his workers?" Yeah. Yes, he did. He did. Oh, uh, he did. He keeps he answering those questions. I'm like some people yeah. in the media. Some I know. It's um, look, you know, we can go into that. The story. Yeah. The story is he saved. He saved BHP. From um, you know the the nickel mine um, from collapse uh, when Queensland government asked him to step in and buy it, so and he ran it for another seven years. So you know all of those employees in the mines, they earn about one hundred and fifty thousand dollars a year. So the seven years, five hundred employees, um, you know, uh, got over a million dollars um, in a sal- in, you know in seven years salary. So that's pretty good. Plus their redundancies, they got they got paid at the end. Um, you know, Clive got his uh, assets back, paid them all. Um, but yeah, that's a story for another time. Yeah, I just to me, I don't quite understand why these people keep voting Labor. I mean, we saw, you know, I'm not sure if you keep up to date with the UK politics, but you know, you you saw there all those people that voted Labor started to turn, turn mm. towards the Conservatives 
because they saw that Labor wasn't doing anything for them. We saw a little bit of that in 2013 when Tony Abbott won, you know, John Howard's battlers before then. But I still, mm. I still don't get why people are voting for Labor now, especially after seeing, you know, what, what, that, what Labor's done in Victoria, in Queensland, in WA. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, you know, strong. and then you've got Chris Minns in New South Wales, who's, you know, nice smiling man, but we all know he's linked to the Chinese Communist Party. And that's why, you know, <laughs> the dossier in 2021 going around about him, which is how he got mm. the job, because apparently they weren't supposed to do that. And then the form leader, the, the then leader, you know, quit because she, uh, I didn't want to be associated with that document saying don't give him the job because he's mm. gone links to China. And um, I think you you have, you, you know, of a couple of more candidates, not necessarily in Labor, who have got these Chinese links. And uh, is, is that a, another concern for this election? Lots of people with, you know, foreign links, not just, I say, oh, dual citizenship, but people with actual links. I think, I think you must might have mentioned Gladys Lou to me, I think, before. Mm, look, yeah, I... I yeah, look, I, I, like I said, I, I want to you know, stay away from that sort of mm. stuff. Um, if I've got the facts, um, yeah. then I'll, I'll come out with my guns blazing. But, um, yeah, um, running on hearsay most of the time just gets you into trouble. It's not um, hearsay with Gladys I mean, Lou, though. It's on hearsay with her, though. She had to hand back a 12000 I believe it was $12,000 donation. So mm. that's not hearsay. If I'm yeah, on Wikipedia, no. so that's something Wikipedia hasn't edited out yet. <laughs> Yeah, look, there's there's many ties. Look, I I guess I don't want to. I guess I don't want to go down that road mm. right now. Um, you know, as much as I, I guess my social media shows um, you know, my attitude towards um, international ties um, from the major two parties. But um, yeah, it does. It, it's there's a lot of that um, buried deeply uh, in the current government. And it wouldn't matter if, you know, these were these, you know, strong liberal democracies, these ties they have. But when you're having ties to ties to a dictatorship, which is locking up their own citizens, that that is, that's an issue. And what, mm. then again, I don't know, can we speak considering that's literally what Australia's government did to us? Well, not, well, they'll say it wasn't the federal government. They'll say it was the states that did it to us. Yeah, of course, because Scott Morrison decided to, um, you know, wipe his hands free of it, saying that uh, the federal government aren't imposing mandates, but then it went down to state level where the state level was imposing mandates. Mm. Yeah. Um, Look, it's, yeah, I I think, um, yeah, look at at Victoria, um, you know, under the state government right now, and that really brings communism. you know, it, it does. It's it's a it's a real um, to me. It's it's scary. Um, if that happens here in New South Wales, um, I, it, that would be something where I would um, I would be very vocal, and I would probably have to make a very hard decision um, whether to stay in New South Wales or not. Where would you go though? You know, where's they? They all said New South Wales was the best one. I don't know where, where's better. I don't know. Yeah, look, even South Australia, quite uh, at the moment, um, they're putting isn't... in trying to make trying those emergency powers permanently. Yeah, look, we'll 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 see what happens down there. I'm I'm definitely keeping an eye on South Australia because I've got um, I've got family down there. Um, but uh, yeah, look, right now it's just um, you know I can't forecast what's going to happen. Um, there's obviously no crystal ball, but I do know that if we don't. Um, if we can't get these major two parties out of uh, out of the current government, we we're not we're not going to see the end of lockdowns and restrictions or mandates. It's um, it'll just come about again. 
yeah. They've, you know, there's obviously word in the wind right now of new strains of COVID. Um, oh, May, election's over. Oh, there's a new strain. That's right. It, um, I'm pretty sure that will happen. Um, you know, that's my opinion. Um, that Awfully you know, good timing so, for elections, yeah. Yep, it is, yeah. It's, it's funny how all the lockdowns have been eased, you know, six weeks out from election. It's just coincidence. <laughs> yeah honestly yeah um the, the the pressure to relieve restrictions obviously there, obviously there's been the election but there's also been so many protests and rallies across australia now the uap has been out you know whether it was clive out there or craig kelly um the media tries to obscure the true number you know i've been there and they tell you oh there's like a thousand people here um the true number of people attending how many people attended and how many people realistically are with us in the freedom movement and can we actually make a difference in this election or is it just you know you know vote what you have to prepare for you know it's only going to be one two percent of the population and we're not going to get anywhere or do you think there's some real momentum that can actually drive us forward to you know potentially staving off that outcome you sort of alluded to before I think there is a lot of momentum. Um, it, it's good to see Australians actually starting to get out because we are, and I'm not saying we're a lazy country, we're just a very laid-back country. We don't, we're not a riotous country. We're not like the Europeans where, you know, if something doesn't go right, we all, like, hundreds of thousands get together and storm the gates, mm-hmm. um, which is in the blood in that sort of, you know, that... Um, uh, you know, in those countries where they've been established for, for centuries, you know. Um, we're a very young country. We're very laid back. Um, we've never had civil unrest. We've never had to riot and push down fences and um, go in and um, hang the Prime Minister, you know, for treason. So it's one of those things where I think, um, and it, we probably never will be a strong um, civil body, um, strong enough to be able to do that sort of stuff. But, look, going back to it, these protests and rallies are excellent and yet the media have grossly underreported the numbers. Um, you can see, like, because when you see inter- um, independent footage, you know, uh, phone cams, uh, YouTube videos, you see um, hundreds of thousands or, you know, tens of thousands of people um, and then the media go, oh, a couple of thousand of people were there. And then you see you see um, phone footage and um, uh, phone cam and stuff, and you, you can just tell there is more than a few thousand people there. So it's very, it's grossly underreported, and they do that for a reason, of course. Um, you know, um, but the movement, I think it's great to see people waking up, and I hope that all of those people are voting um, consciously, um, and not donkey voting, and not um, you know making inf- informal votes. Mm. Uh, but you know, I, I I don't know. I don't know whether it is it is enough. Um, uh, I guess we'll just see. We'll see on the twenty second of May um, whether it is. I really like looking at pre polls at the moment, and looking at the amount of people going through shaking their head at yellow signs and yellow T-shirts. Um, you know, it's, it's a bit daunting, but I do know that um, predominantly at pre-poll, you get a lot of um, these the really old voters that just, you know, the, those Labor voters and dedicated liberalists 
um, that, yeah, and it could be the minority um, of those, um, you know, those parties where I think on election day, um, on the 21st, we'll see uh, a lot more people come out and show their support for um, the Freedom Parties and, and in especially United Australia Party. Yeah, I think, you know, I think it must be deciding to go and see all these people and they're all, you know, you know what are they exactly they're shaking their head at considering, you know, what has the media actually told them other than... Oh, look, a lot of it, a lot of the, you know, the, the comments, um, they all fall back to basically Clive, you know, Clive mm-hmm. didn't pay his workers or, you know, I'm not paying, I'm not... I'm not voting for that billionaire and uh, he's only out to get more money. It's like, well, you know, coming into government as a billionaire, you pr- you're not, you're not going to be making money. <laughs> so, yeah, it, it, you know, basically uh, it crosses that one out. But, um, yeah, look, they just have this strong uh, dislike um, for Clive Palmer, I think, from many years ago, just, just who he is. Um, unfortunately, because they don't actually know him. Um, I guess they haven't actually looked, uh, they haven't haven't sat down and and watched him speak, um, you know, outside of just the mainstream debates where they, you know, cut and paste. Um, But, yeah, he's he's, he's a very down-to-earth and um, uh, transparent um, and, you know, really, really... Um, nice guy. He's got his um, heart in the right place, and he wants to get Australia um, back on its feet again. You know, like he's he, he's got enough money to last him three lifetimes. He's not doing this for the money. Um, our policies, uh, and look at a lot of the policies, um, will affect his uh, his industry. Like he will lose money um, in the mining industry, putting our policies in the place. So, you know. If he's in there for just to make money, well, he's got the wrong policies, you know, to make money through government. He's he's shooting himself in the foot there with the uh, uh, with the fifteen um, percent credit license on our iron ore exports to China, uh, to Asia. Uh, that'll affect him greatly. That'll um, you know that'll slow his business down quite substantially and, and reduce his profits. But he's doing this for the greater good. He's doing it for Australia. He wants to. Uh, you know, strengthen Australia, um, strengthen the economy, um, you know, have a better future for his kids and his grandkids. So, you know, he's not looking at himself. He's looking at his kids and his family and his grandkids. Uh, and, and that's what he's doing. He wants, he wants them to have a better life and a better country. Um, and the same with me. I mean, you know, I, I look at my kids now. I mean, you know, in, in 10 years' time, uh, you know, 15 years' time when they're ready to, you know, move out or hopefully and start, you know, looking at buying a house, it's going to be unachievable, um, if not impossible, if we keep going the way we are. Yeah. And if, if Clive wanted to make some money in Parliament, why did he Why did he, he not run in the 2016 election? You know, why is he, you know, yeah. these kind of questions, you know, they seem to have forgotten. Yeah. Like if Clive wants to make money, he just goes and does what he does mm. and makes money. He's, that's what he's doing every day. He doesn't need to go to government to make money. He doesn't need to go to government to have power. Um, I don't, he doesn't want power. Um, you know, he's, he's quite adamant that, um, you know, he's uh, going to retire in two years because he's had, a, he's, he's had 50 years in politics um, at, or around politics. Um, so he's, you know, he's not in it for a career. He doesn't need it as a career. 
he is not in it for money. He's got much more money than um, the government would ever um, provide him. Uh, he's not in it for power. He's got. A, he doesn't need the power. He does. He wants to retire and go on his boat and, and sail away. You know, mm-hmm. enjoy the rest of his remaining years, as we all do when we retire. So you know, he's. You know, these three things that the the the, the masses tend to um, label him and and um, stigmatize. They, it's 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 quite the opposite. Yeah, I think. It, it, to, to me, it's strange, but I guess it's the different um, difference in demographics. You know, all the Labor voters in the US, you know, really like Trump. You know, he's the billionaire. You think the Labor voters would, you know, dislike him. Then they all went on, you know, jumped on his bandwagon and, and you know, you know, lots of people liked him. But then, you know, Australia, it doesn't seem to translate. You know, even though Clive is it's probably even more a man of the people than Don Trump is, mm. um, was as president. But I understand because, you know, he talks to you, you know, I, I watched... His, his press conference, you know, with the um, candidate for Rwinga. And, um, you know, he was asking and answering questions and talking to people and he was just, mm. you know, just being down to earth. I, I don't understand, you know, this, this picture that made media portray him as is just yeah. not right. Once you watch all of it, not just the, you know, three-second clip that they all play in the news. Yeah. Yeah, Andrew's our candidate um, at Rwinga. He's, um, he's a, a very uh, intelligent and, and informed um, gentleman, he's a, and very, he's a really nice guy. Um, because we all get together, um, you know, once a week, um, you know, the city region um, candidates, and we uh, we talk. We're very close actually, and we we are very united as a party, um, other than a couple of people who are disgruntled or left. Um, but that's that's to be expected. There's 151 candidates. I mean, you know, if uh, five of them have uh, taken off. Uh, on their own agendas, that's fine. I mean, five out of 151 that didn't uh, align with uh, how we how we are managing um, the party through the election process, um, or some of the comments um, and policies. Well, then I think we're doing pretty good. Five out of 151. I mean, look at the Labor government. Um, I think half the backbenchers have uh, decided to uh, you know, jump, uh, walk across the floor, or resign. So. You know, I mean, and people are still going to vote for Labor. For Labor, Labor, Labor are arguing within themselves. If they do, yeah. yeah. I yeah. think even uh, I think uh, I think Bill Shorten's uh, going to come up and um, um, yeah, give Albanese a pat on the back soon. Oh, well, some are saying it's who the, who they're keeping out. Um, um, Tanya Tanya Flibersek. They're, they're, they're thinking that maybe she wants to have a go, but. You know, you talk about how you meet as a, as a party. You know, we're a Labor meeting because, you know, in the Hunter region, they're like, oh, we like coal. And then in the, in the you know, in a, you know, West, oh, we don't like coal. You know, all those, you know, those dirty <laughs> miners, we don't want coal here. You know, where's, where's yeah. their meeting candidates? You know? Yeah, exactly. You know, like, are they on the same page? I mean, we've got 151 candidates throughout Australia. So in each of the, uh, the states and territories, and we are, um, we are all united. On this and, and aligned with the uh, majority of our policies. Um, and, and majority of the policies uh, um, are suited for, to benefit each, each electorate. Um, you know, there's, there's not, there, I don't think we've got any policies in there that will disadvantage any of our electorates in any state. Yeah. Um, 
I want to talk a little bit about if you do get into uh, the house, um, lower house specifically, um, what agenda can the UAP make the government do? Because I'm pretty sure you're certain of at least a Senate seat in a few states. Now, you're definitely going to get that. But in the lower house, if you get a few seats, you know, we talked about a little bit, but what agenda do you think the UAP can make the government sort of push forward? Because if they don't get anything through the lower house, they can't go to the upper house. No. So most likely not a great deal. If we don't get a good number of seats um, in a house of reps, um, you know, uh, you know, we might have the ability to, to block a few policies um, if there's enough independence to support um, uh, together. Um, yeah, but a few seats are not going to change Australia. A few seats in both the, um, uh, the House of Reps and the Senate are not going to tra- change Australia at all. Um, we need to take a majority in the lower house and a moderate number in the Senate. Um, otherwise, um, yeah, we, I think we've, we would concede we've lost the battle uh, this time around. We've seen Labor and Liberal preferencing each other above the Freedom Parties. Mm. Do you think it's, it's a realistic proposition that should the Freedom Parties get a substantial number of seats, that they say, oh, here are a bunch of extremist parties, we've got to have a special coalition here is that something mm. that we're you know we're seeing that with the how to vote cards is that gonna you think that could transpire if there's you know a number that would actually threaten them look at the end of the day um a how to vote card look, look all these preferencing deals um a lot of a lot of people um a, major, a big majority of people get too hooked up on preference deals um, mm. parties make between and all that is is where they're getting put on their preference cards on their how to vote cards and how to vote cards are just a recommendation for the people to look at um, when they walk in and vote at the end of the day the voter makes the decision to put his number one where he wants to and his number two where he wants to and then so on down the card same on both green and white ballot papers um, i've had many many members um, text and call and message me as soon as they hear something on YouTube or as soon as they hear something on Sky News or Mainstream, show me your how to vote card, you know, show me who you're preferencing. Does it really matter? I mean, it's a recommendation. I've got all the, I've got all the majors last. Um, you know, I, my Liberal Democrat second, One Nation is third, my independents are fourth and fifth, and then I've got six, seven, eight Labor Liberal Greens. You know, but I might have a United Australia Party member who puts me as number one and then feels like he wants to put one of the independents number two. His decision. At the end of the day, mm. he's the one with the pen. Um, these, these preference deals um, that go on are to give the parties their best chance um, in relation to how their how-to-vote cards look. Um, because, yes, the how-to-vote cards do influence um, some voters. Um, and when I say some, I'm not sure of the percentage, but there is uh, you know, a good percentage of voters that will use those how-to-vote cards uh, religiously, or if they just don't want to think about it, they just copy it, and that's, that's fine. But the um, this election... Um, is a very volatile election. Um, it's probably one of the very few elections that I, I don't know of any other where um, the two major parties uh, feel very threatened. Um, 
and not from each other, uh, from someone else, from us. Uh, so having Liberal and Labor preference each other second on their how to vote cards basically would have killed any opportunity uh, for any other party to um, to get a seat in those um, in those areas and electorates. Uh, now, whether the committed liberal voter went by that card, who knows? You know, one liberal, and they look at number two, and they're like, "Ooh, geez, I'm not going to put in Labor because I'm going to put everybody against everybody above Labor," or you might get that really committed liberal so that will go, okay, that's their strategy. One liberal, two labor, mm. three, four, five, whatever else. So that that would have killed um, us and every other independent and minor party um, just, just by doing that. So, yes, deals are always going to get done. Um, it is politics where, you know, other parties will say, look, if you do that, we're going to do this in other seats where we know that you're marginal and then, you know, play with someone else's how to vote card in another state or wherever else in some uh, key seats. So, you know, Liberal and Labor will go, oh, okay, well, we're not going to do that. Um, Labor did. So we've, we basically put Liberal as number two on some of our cards um, in key seats. Liberal have put us as number two. Uh, as as an agreement to what we did, right? Um, so you know, and that's that. In some of those seats, some people were um, outraged. Uh, some people, you know, even kind of said, "Well, I don't want to vote for UAP anymore because you're preferencing liberal higher up than an independent." Well, at the end of the day, it's a how to vote card. It's it's a recommendation. You can still vote UAP number one and put the liberal guy down the bottom number eight or at the bottom of the card, bottom of the numbers. The, the voter has the choice at the end of the day, um, whether the party makes agreements um, left, right and centre with, uh, and deals with other, with other parties. It's, it's neither here or there. And to further on in that, a preference card is basically uh, where my votes will flow to if I'm eliminated, and I really am fighting this election not to be eliminated. So I'd like to actually have everybody just vote me as number one and keep me in the race. Therefore, my preferences mean nothing because mm. I'm in the race. It's, you know, they're fighting over a dead horse um, when they start fighting over, you know, how to vote cards and and where and who is preferencing who. And, you know, Sounds good. Um, and look, it's it's just a it's just an argument you don't need to, and, and you know upset that you don't need to have. So those seats that liberal are too, I'm guessing those are seat, seats where there aren't liberal Democrats because you know Clive made and um, Cameron you made a big deal about one and two for each other wherever they could. Yeah, yeah, and that's what other people don't know. Like there's there may be seats where there's only three candidates running. Mm. Uh, United Australia Party because we have candidates everywhere. Uh, a liberal and maybe a Labor. So yes, liberal is going to come second because Labor's third, mm. and that's all there is. Three people. So yeah, they don't see the big picture. They just hear liberals coming second. I mean, liberals getting preference second. So 
you know, it's it's all about not just listening to the mainstream headline, but actually reading the facts below the line and, and finding out, you know, why it was done, um, having a look at the card as to why they're second or third. Um, and I can't tell you which ones are which because I don't know. And I, I've only heard what you've heard. Um, mm. I'm more concerned about my electorate right now. I'm trying to um, make sure that we've got the best chance um, of winning this seat because um, Labor are very stale uh, in this electorate. And um, Michelle Rowan really needs to move on from her career um, uh, as a politician because she is not in it for the people anymore. Mm. Well, I have a little video of another candidate that's also running, <laughs> um, Ricardo Bozzi. Um, You've had a little bit to say about him because um, he has some things to say about um, UAP. So... And the judges. Not one of these people has said a word. We're not talking about full-term abortion where they suck the living brain out of a baby. Ask them about that. I'm not going to attack Kelly and Palmer. But you ask them, you see if you get a straight, quick, straight answer what their policy of full-term abortion is. Because you know what? I was talking about full-term abortion a couple of years back. People go, you're a lunatic. That doesn't happen. Doctors would get out of the meeting and scream at me and say, you're a lunatic. You're really we have full-term abortion. Now they're going for late, uh, post-birth abortion. You know They want to make a baby does not get personhood until they're two years old. After that point, you can... You can kill them, you can take body parts out. Ask your mates, Kelly and Palmer, what the f they are going to do about that. That's and then right. Back and stick a yeah. Yeah. No, stop talking. No, no, Kelly, no. Palmer, over liberal Stick a over. finger, no. stick a finger them over. Stick a finger in Palmer's face and then come and stick a finger in my yes, face. Sir. I don't f***ing need your bullshit or their bullshit. You can favour them over f***ing little waiter. I don't favour They're on the side of you, Jack. This is really important. Mate, I don't give a flying with you. Vote for the divided pro vote. Go vote for the pedophile protecting. Go vote the pedophile protecting and baby killing Palmer Kelly and every other party. Because no other party is standing up for babies. Did he lose the lips because of that? No, because of the. Is it fuck the lips didn't like it? I don't know. Labor doesn't have anything to do with it. Labor I have never I mentioned the fact that that guy made $3.8 billion from the Chinese Communist Party in the last financial year, the same f***ing Chinese Communist Party is killing Australians. Now you make up your own mind. If you think that's a straight shooter, buy f***ing hell and I'll play pool with you. But listen, this is important. This is really important. Put a finger in their face and tell them to mention pedophiles, Lovely. It's a diplomatic politician. Very colourful. Um, when I watched that first time, I was quite shocked. <laughs> when, your first time, what are you thinking? Oh, that's just Ricardo. Ricardo Bossi. Um, 
he is a very outspoken uh, motivational speaker. Um, he can um, incite um, emotion um, and, you know, he can push points uh, and agendas, but, um, yeah, not suited for politics. Um, I think that's more suited for, you know, standing on the corner in rallies, um, motivating everybody to move forward um, like the uh, colonel that he was. Um, yeah, it's... Uh, you wouldn't see me doing that. Uh, I think you need a bit more of a level head uh, and obviously less profanities, um, a little bit more respect for the audience, whether they're um, against what he's saying, whether they uh, interject or they um, rebut, you still need to uh, come back with a little bit more um, you know, uh, of a, a softer approach, I guess, uh, a more of a reasonable approach. Um, answer um, but yeah that's you know he's hyped up um, good on him um, I liked Ricardo Bossi um, last year leading up um, to the big rallies down in Canberra and then he said a few things about the United Australia Party and a few other things that mm. um, that I uh, didn't like too much um, and yeah uh, discrediting so yeah I sort of fell away from Bossi um, he, he's not the sort of person that I feel that I would follow. Um, in saying that, I told him that yesterday uh, when uh, we caught up for a, um, a quick chat, shook his hand and um, having a bit of a conversation. And uh, we are all on the same side of the field, kicking the ball, um, trying to hit the same goal, but we are still adversaries in this electorate. Um, but yes, and I spoke to him and I told him that yes, I uh, I was a um, a follower. Um, I did uh, uh, enjoyed his um, motiv motivational um, speeches and um, you know his approach. But there were some things that he said um, you know this year uh, that I disagreed with, and uh, he lost my support, my full support. Um, and I told that to him and I said that I will catch up with him and after the election and we can talk about it a little bit more, um, you know, as, um, you know, two, um, two civil individuals rather than shouting and swearing like so, a bunch of uh, bogans. Yeah, so uh, on you representing Craig Kelly and Clive Palmer, can we get a straight answer on those questions that he sort of said you couldn't answer? Yeah, um, the what was the first one? The, the, the first one. Yeah. The first one was Cam a straight answer on full term abortion. The second one was on um, Clive Palmer the, making money from China. Oh, the China one. Um, oh yeah, of course, Clive Palmer makes money from China. He sells iron. He sells minerals to um, to the Asian market all the time. That's where he makes a lot of his money. I mean, Australia, seventy five percent of Australia's um, mineral revenue comes from Asia. So, yes, of course. A lot of people make money from China. CCP? Don't think so. I don't know where that's related, but, yeah, of course, if it's going to China, I'm sure, you know, they've, they've, yeah, it, that's, there could be, there could be um, you know, something there. I don't know. Um, yeah, but it's, of course, um, who's to say, who's to say, um, he's not. He's he's not making money. He's he's 
uh, being in the mining industry, I mean, that's where most of our stuff goes. So I, I don't see what the issue is there, making money out of China. Um, the CCP, I can't comment on because I don't know. I, I don't, you know, whether a CCP-affiliated um, industry, manufacturing industry or a company in China may buy a product from Clive's companies. Who knows? It's all communist China yeah. anyway, so it's, you know, it's all some... It's all communist China anyway. So, yeah, so everything that we sell to China. Um, so you, you, you could basically say that the whole of Australia... Uh, makes money from China, so we're all supporting communist China. But yeah, it's uh, it's it's a world economy, so they're just one of our clients, um, one of our customers. Sorry, um, yeah. So I can't look that in that in relation to that question, whether it's a, whether there's an affiliation with CCP in one of the customers at the end result of their of his product, who knows? Yes, he makes money from China. Good on him. Take their money put it back into his pocket, which goes into our economy because he spends it here. He spends billions of dollars in our economy, which is um, filtering back through, which is, you know, which is great. Um, but, yeah, uh, the, the uh, next question was the abortion. Um, mm-hmm. Look, I don't know what he's, um, I don't know what um, his view is on that. Uh, it's a very individual um, opinion, and I know from pretty much we've got a very big Christian um, background in the United Australia Party. A lot of candidates, um, uh, I won't just say Christian, but they're religious. Uh, they have a religion. Um, there's Christians, uh, Muslim, um, Hindi, Sikh. Um, so there's many, and, and, and um, obviously people who aren't religious. Um, and there's, there's, there's uh, I don't know, there's probably going to be a mixed um, opinion on that. Um, I can only give my opinion, and um, I'm against abortion. I'm, I'm pro-life. Um, that's always been my opinion. Um, although um, abortion... Um, full term, that's, I can't, I can't tell them that, but there has to be a reason and it has to be a very um, pronounced medical reason as to why that would happen, whether the baby, uh, whether the, um, the, the, uh, the baby was not um, for life, so it, it had a complication where it would not live past a week or it was there was something um, uh, you know extremely uh, wrong in that birth that that um, you know the, the, the decision where that um, that infant um, you know may have been could have uh, you know the, the, the complication where it was not going to live um, you know, at any moment after birth um, yes okay so there there is there, there you would have to look at each scenario uh, on its merits individually and it would have to be very um, very um, strictly scrutinized but I don't I, I'll you know having um, you know, full-term abortions just as a you know 
you know, as a, as a blanket is no, I, that's I would totally disagree with that. Mm. Abortions in itself, I mean, um, no, I, I don't agree with that. Um, that's something that you know, you, you, it's not a fix for a mistake, um, you know, or a bad decision. That that's um, to me, that's really uh, that's really inhumane. But again, um, if for some reason there was um, uh, a legitimate reason um, where it was a result of a, a severe um, attack or, or rape, um, you know, um, things like that, uh, where, yeah, it, that, 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 in that scenario, to me, I would, you know, make an accommodation for that. It's, um, you know, that, that's something that's, that's it's hard to to see somebody go through a um, full term um, that was um, a result of a um, of an aggressive attack or um, you know or a rape victim or something. So, but look, not being not being a woman, <laughs> I you know I I don't have that maternal connection. Um, so I you know as much as I am against. Um, abortion and especially full-term abortion or any abortion um, that's not backed by a, a you know very legitimate reason um, yeah it's hard for me to to you know sort of make to to, to connect on that um, to empathize with a, a, a woman in that scenario so um, yeah so that's that's my view look I think most of the views Within the United Australia Party, are uh, pretty much on that same level. Um, yeah, because of uh, there's a lot of um, religion um, within our candidacy, and yeah, they are very. I think they're very against it. I don't think there has been any formal statement, um, and I don't. Um, I think the reason why we haven't made formal statements on a lot of these issues is because we don't want to sway from our um, our direction to save Australia and the economy. And when we start looking at these things, and and I'm not putting it as a as a minor um, issue, but it's an issue we can address once we're in government. Um, it's not something we need to put policy on now um, and put policy on you know the, the the standard height of doorways and so forth, because these things just aren't going to save hardship right now. Um, they're not going to um, save the economy right now. Um, you know, it, they're, they're the sort of issues that can be addressed, discussed, and and argued in a formal manner once we're in government. Yeah, I think you answered that one. The United States Party isn't a baby killing party, and also. I, I don't know why um, kind of bossy just didn't even look on uh, Wikipedia because it, it tells you that he was a prominent member of Right to Life Australia at university. And mm-hmm. I mean, you know, Wikipedia obviously doesn't want to tell you everything. Um, mm. But, you know, if it's, it's, it's quite clear, you know, I looked it up and it was, wasn't too, yeah. Um, yeah. Wasn't too hard. Like, and That's right. Look, it's just because we don't make a formal statement or formal policy doesn't mean we are aligned with the right to life. Like, yeah. yeah. So, um, and... Craig Kelly um, having those values as well, um, and I'm not going to speak for him, but I could, 
I, could, I, I reckon I wouldn't be wrong in saying that he's um, also pro-life as well. Yeah. Well, Clive Palmer is a, is a Catholic. And um, I, I, and I just want to add a little, a little caveat to what you said about um, abortion and rape. And I think, I think, I think it, it is right to sympathise with the mother, but I, I still think that, you know, whatever happens, the child isn't, it isn't the child's fault that, you know, their father did something mm. wrong and, Again, it's it's difficult. You know, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't say that um, it's not difficult. You know, I'd say it's wrong, but I I think I understand I understand that a little more than as you said. There has to be a reason, and generally, you know, you could you know you know take the baby out and you know inc- incubate it incubate. I think that's the word incubate, and um, mm. that, that's it's much better than you know. And then you can see what happens. And I think it's um, yeah. And I think the suppression order is is um that's the one thing you can. You've had Nancy. You can talk about that. Also, the suppression order was yeah. the one I forgot to talk about. Yeah, look, the suppression order. That's a, that's one of the the big things that we're going to bring up. We're we're not looking just at a federal ICAC, and we're not looking to just you know bring back the Woodwell Commission, um, uh, result, you know, um, reports. We want to we want to get investigators and prosecutors to start investigating and prosecuting. Um, the 28 VIPs now. Uh, we don't want to put an ICAC in and wait two years for a report and a recommendation and then, you know, let it go for another two years. By that time, uh, it's too late. Uh, we want that done now. Yeah, we, we, we are, I think um, that, ha- that is one of the, um, one of the major um, uh, issues that we, we want to address um, that's why we want to get in as government because we want to, we want to address these things very quickly, uh, and to do it quickly, we need a majority so that we've got the majority of votes um, and to push these um, you know our policies and push these um, you know these ideas through. Um, but yes, a federal ICAC um, is one of our main um, priorities uh, to start investigating you know past, present, and or future. Um, uh, you know, uh, within the federal government, um, but yes, the um, the pedophile, uh, the twenty eight VIP, uh, that's something that um, we really want, we really want to address as well. So, um, that, I mean, that's that's all right, but that's been out in the public, uh, you know, since uh, we started campaigning. I mean, I don't know, and even you know, even last year, I don't know why that was brought up that we weren't doing anything we didn't have any um uh did have any say on that um yeah we're definitely uh we definitely want to address that yeah i'll just check when the video was from um end of january um this year yeah yeah so. it is yes yeah, so i mean you know, our stance on that was um quite clear i think before that video was out so whether he you know, wasn't up to speed with, uh, you know, um, what the UAP were saying or whether his information wasn't um, as current. Um, but, yeah, he's, he's all of that was wrong. So he's, look, you know, he's, um, he's emotional. He's, um, you know, he's, um, you know, very outspoken. So he's, he's throwing these things against us. And that was one of the things, that was some of the things that, um, he would say, amongst others, that started to, um, um, you know, make my decision not to support him as much um, this year. 
Um, so I was a big supporter of him last year. But, yeah, this year, he's, and that's kind of what he's still like right now, you know, and he's still um, trying to uh, discredit the United Australia Party. And he's dividing the Freedom Parties, um, which is, you know, we are still, um, a, even though we're one of the big three, we're still minor parties in the in the in the in this fight um, through this election. So to to divide, to discredit and divide all you know parts of the freedom movement, you know, as as you know, as a soldier, he should know better. I mean, he's 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 breaking up um, his support elements. You know, he's, he's you know pushing half his infantry away from the front line. So. Yeah. He's got his own ideas. Mm. Mm. I I hadn't honestly heard about the suppression orders. I think until about last year. And um, going with that, you know, there's lots of society that has complied with the government. You know, even though when they know the facts, um, you know, that they've been led astray. You know, how, how what do we, what pitch can you give to these people? You know, these people that that go, you know, UAP. You know, these Labor voters. You know, all these people that that know what's happening. Yet they're still going and ticking the box. We're not ticking. Don't tick the boxes. Number number all the all the boxes. Don't tick them. Um, voting for Liberal and Labor and the Greens. What 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 pitch can you give to those to say you know that they're all in on this? They they completely disagree with with the freedom movement. What pitch can you say in sort of you know a few minutes to convince them why they should vote for you instead and UOP as a whole as well? Oh, I think. Um... Just go to the start of the question. I mean, they've complied. Everybody, the society, majority of the society have complied with the government to now because because of fear, fear of reprimand, uh, fear of you know um, breaking laws which are which were unjust to start with, um, and fear of um, further restrictions. You know, like the compliance um, and, and the coercion and the and fear, I think, are the major factors to influence um, the mass um, and to, pre- to prevent people from revolting. Um, like I said, we're not a very rightist nation, so you know they, they've really suppressed the um, you know the people to the point where um, you know we're quite happy to have our freedoms taken away, um, and that's where we you know we, we're stand. That's where the United Australia Party. Are standing up against against, against this. Um, we we want to return. We we're all freedom. We want to return the freedom of choice. Your freedom uh, to move about uh, without restriction. Um, freedom from mandates. Freedom from you know um, the coercion into medical interventions. Um, that's you know, that's what that's why we're here. That's why. Um, you'll see a yellow sign with freedom, freedom, freedom. Um, that is the base. That is the base of our party um, to restore freedom and save Australia. Um, you know, we, without us, uh, yes, there's a number of small freedom parties and independents, but like you said, they might get a seat or two here or there. You're only left with the two major parties and the two major parties are not so different from each other. And we've heard this before. They're just different wings on the same bird. They literally are. They are the same person with two different coloured ties, you know, and all they want to do is continue 
what they have been doing in the last two years, and that's to, you know, place further restrictions, coercion, um, uh, and compliance on society, uh, you know, to the point where we will just be sheep, um, you know, and we know what's coming after the election if they if either one of them are elected in, and it doesn't matter which party you're elected in, Liberal or Labor, um, the digital identity bill, digital currency and compliance. I mean, how else can you make somebody comply um, is by controlling their ability um, to use, uh, to, to move about and spend their money. And when you've got control of their money and, and you know, uh, where, they're, where they're going, um, access to um, their movements, you can control anybody. Um, and that's where it's coming to. If you, if you don't comply with what they say, and now you can just press a red button, put a put a hold on your funds uh, until you comply. Yeah, it's it's we're going to lose um, our freedoms, our democracy. You know, it's yeah. I, I don't I, I don't have a crystal ball. I, I, and actually, I'm with the foresight. I don't know, it's a very very blurred future as to what it may come down to, but it's not going to be a good one. So that's why we're... Hmm. Yeah. But what about the people who say, no, I just completely disagree with you. This is all for safety. You know, we were, we were being protected by the government. Now we get our chance to vote. Don't say democracy is being suppressed. We have this election. I, I know we scoff at those ideas, but there are some people that genuinely hold those views and there are a lot of people. And that's why I'm asking, what can you pitch to them that, that isn't already words that we already know in the freedom movement, as in... What can you do to convince those people? I know you say we've been coerced, but these people, they don't feel it. They, they don't understand that. So I'm saying, what can you tell them, the ones that aren't like us? It's hard. Some, some of those people you just can't tell. You can, you can show them the facts. You can show them the facts of the Pfizer documents that have now just been released that show that their you know, so-called vaccine has not only 12% efficiency uh, after one week. Um, so they've had two and three of these inoculations that, that don't do anything. Um, but they will still go, but it's for my safety. And they, I don't know. I, I can't, I'm not a psychologist, so um, I really can't see how these people can still blindly, um, you know, hold on to the fact that it's for our safety and their well-being. And uh, it's like saying... Um, and I'm unvaccinated. Um, it's like saying that I don't want to be near an unvaccinated person. Exactly. Because, and they're, they're, I, there's no reason for their safety. It's supposed to protect, the vaccine's supposed to protect you. I know yeah. I am, um, you know, yeah, I, it's like I, I, I. It's like I'm a leper or I've got a disease because I didn't have the vaccine. Yeah, I know. So, I, you know, yeah. I was treated like that with my family. You know, I haven't had the jab either. And it was just, even yeah. with any family, it was just, yeah, very weird. Yeah, look, my and it's hard because I know a lot of families that didn't want it but had to get it. They were mm. coerced because they would have lost their job. And they said, yep, I've had my two. Um, let me go back to normality. And then it's like, well, you can, but you know what? You might have to have three now. Um, and there's some places where they're still mandating and they're still 
um, terminating people for not Victoria. having Victoria determining if New South have Wales. three. New yeah. South Wales, Woolworths, mm. um, State Transit, um, the Commonwealth Bank, um, a good, uh, a friend and a, and a, um, a very loyal member of, um, of United Australia Greenway. He's, um, he has only managed to maintain his employment within the Commonwealth Bank Australia because he caught COVID and had a, and, and gained a four-month um, exemption. And mm. seriously, like, if he doesn't have uh, have the, um, the the so-called vaccine, mm. then he'll um, be terminated. It's like, really? Really? Like, he doesn't have it now. He doesn't have the vaccine. He hasn't had the vaccine. And he's been with the company for, for many years. I think it was mm. 10 plus, 15 plus years. And for all of that time, he's... And even up through the two years, he hasn't had his vaccine. But how is he a threat to the safety of the business or the other employees uh, or the clients? It's not, I don't there's nothing. See. There's nothing because we know and, that. And where's the threat to the safety of himself? I mean, he's got, he just caught COVID. He's, he's recovered from it. Yeah, he said it was a flu. I had five days of flu. He recovered from it. Okay, so where's the safety issue? The only safety issue is the one with the people with the, the so-called vaccine. Like we know that they people mm. spread it exactly the same. Well, and perhaps a little more if you're vaccinated. So they don't want to tell you that much, that, that part. And, and so there really is no evidence. And so it's just, and so, yeah, maybe you can't actually give the pitch to these people because, you know, there's nothing that would convince them. Even if you told them, we're going to give you, we're going to, um, you know, that you, know, you made your three economic policies. Um, you probably remember a little bit more than me, the, the freezing, the home loans, the mm. uh, 15% export license, and the, was it increase the pension? Was that the third one? Um, oh, just trying to think there. You got me on a... Uh, no, so, yeah, so three, uh, 3% over five years uh, saving your home loan, returning... Um, oh, it's uh, returning investments. It's super, yeah. So super Re- returning so investments. Yeah, you can answer them like Albo. We should piece of paper. We should we should say Albo. You don't need a piece of paper. Three policies. Don't try over six. Yeah. yeah, that's right. You know, just just give us three strong policies. Mm. Look, it's but the thing is, you you can't you can't advocate. You can't you can't you can't change these people's minds mm. when they they're so set on the safety. Some people are waking up, yes, uh, uh, and there's some people that just aren't. And unfortunately, um, you, you just won't. There's nothing that we could say or or you know, show them that will convince them overnight um, to, you know, to wake up. Um, it's, it's just not going to happen. And that's, that's individuality. I mean, that's, um, you know, that's humanity as a whole. We, we have um, choice and, and willpower and um, sometimes not. Um, and that's, that's just what it is. People, you know, they've had, they had a choice to have their vaccines Um Yes, and we want to make sure that you retain that freedom of choice and informed consent vaccina- and, and consent to have any vaccine that you want. You can have 20 of those vaccinations if you want to. That's your freedom of choice, mm. and that's what we're advocating. We, we, we want to maintain um, a free Australia, freedom you know, freedom of speech, freedom of choice, freedom of movement, freedom for mandates. So we don't have to be mandated. But if you want that vaccine so badly, go and get it. Have 20 jabs. Go for it. Have 30. You can drink it if you want to. That's that's your choice and you're free to make it. Mm. Yeah. 
Yeah. We're not against we're not against we're not against it. We're we are for freedom of choice. And that's right. You know, we need to have personal responsibility. You know, if those you know, right. I don't forget how many pages are up to with Pfizer. I think this is second or third. So we're up mm-hmm. to what, like 160, you know, 200,000 pages all hidden in there is that basically this trial was a fraud, essentially, and that it's everything true. they told you was just nonsense. I notice they're not even saying safe and effective now. They're just saying just go get it. <laughs> exactly, yeah. So those words have been dropped from the advertising. Mm. Um, and it was quite quick, especially after the, the Pfizer documents were released. And I've still got friends that are um, very educated um, you know, and learned friends, and they still don't want to accept the Pfizer document. And that is the document that the whole world hung up, hung their, their, their whole um, agenda on mm. their, you know, for, for this, for containing this virus. So, you know, it's, it's unbelievable that, you know, that, that, that the, the document itself is telling the people that, yes, it's, it doesn't work. And yes, we've killed people from it. And yes, there's over, you know, um, 1,500 adverse effects. <laughs> so it's, um, yeah, it's one of those things that, uh, hey, if you want to if you wanna cook, cook your toast in a toaster while having a bath, well, then so be it, you know. Mm. You know it's your choice. Um, you just accept the consequences. But, but don't make everyone else take it. That's the important thing. Which that's is right. what they've been doing, yeah. Exactly, yeah. Exactly, that's it. That's all we, that's all we want to um, show is that, yes, you've got a freedom of choice to take it or not take it, but not to um, force something onto somebody that doesn't um, consent to it. Can I, can I caveat from that and say, children, is that something that, you, that the parties are non-negotiable, that that would be one thing that you'd definitely stop? is make sure that parents don't give it to their children. Because adults is one thing, but children, they don't have that ability. Yeah, that's hard because the children can't really, you know, make an informed consent. So it's up to the parent. And if the parent chooses to have their child vaccinated, then it's, you know, where do we stop at that? I mean, do we, you know, it's, it's a choice that has been given to the parent, um, you know, uh, that there were, that has already has already been given to the parent. Um, you know, your um, measles, mumps, rubella shots. But um, they're different, though. But, but we have to say, even if the people some well, are against all vaccines, but th- but this especially is different. Even if you like, maybe supported yeah. some of those ones. Look, well, that would come down to that would come down to actually um, uh, taking into account the. Uh, the report, the, the Pfizer report that's being released, and then using that report data to then remove this vaccine off the market, saying that no, it's not a vaccine now, and no, it uh, has no efficiency and has no capability of um, preventing, reducing um, uh, the um, infection, uh, the transmission spread, and mortality rate. So I think that's where it comes down to. You have to go back to the root cause and go back to the document, make sure the document is produced um, in government and say that this vaccine is not what it is and to remove it from 
the um, uh, from the uh, the pharmaceuticals um, you know shelf uh, in Australia, so that it's not um, an option. So that is something. Yeah, so that yes. is something that UAP would be looking to to do once those more oh, documents you, yeah. come out. Look, that that is absolutely. Look, I mean, that is one of the things that um, Craig's been advocating is, just, mm. is to you know um, uh, to to expose the um, the, the fraudulent um, um, you know uh, the vaccine itself. So to you know to bring forth the, the documents and show that it's that it doesn't work. And in saying that, and and look, it, not that he has mentioned it, but yeah, to if if we're going to expose it for what it is and show that it's not a vaccine, we'll then follow it through mm. and take it off the market and don't have it as an option as a as a as a product in Australia. So therefore, parents don't need to make a decision to give it to their kids because it's no longer available. Mm. Absolutely. Um, you were talking about rights before and, you know, what freedoms we have. Um, you know, I'm a Christian and lots of policies you put forward actually fit nicely um, with the aims of Christianity. Um, and the, definitely the proposed Bill of Rights uh, that uh, Craig Kelly's put forward, I haven't seen any, you know, there's no specific legislation, sorry, draft um, for that. Um, mm. but, but what, that, that's definitely the best example of it. But can you tell me a little bit about it? Um is this something that will be put in the constitution or is this simply just a piece of legislation that he's putting, aiming to put forward? No, no. Look, the Bill of Rights will, um, it, it will be very similar to the United States Bill of Rights in the way it's, um, I think, the way it's instilled in uh, Federation. So it will be part of the constitution. It will over, it will, it will um, provide the, you know, the, the rights from birth um, of you know um, the core, the core things of freedom. Um, you know, freedom of choice, freedom of movement, freedom of speech, um, you know, uh, and, and and some others. And I'm not privy to the draft either. And it's something that needs uh, that I think we've got um, our policy writers, our legal writers. Um, you know, we've got a lot of people I think on this because this is one thing: this proposed bill of rights that needs to be very concise. Um, very basic. Um, you don't want it lengthy. You don't want it too um, ambiguous and misconstrued, like most of our legislation. Um, you want it to be very straightforward, very concise, um, very plain, um, with very minimal, um, you know, um, uh, provisions. Um, uh, you know, uh, anointed to the to to a person mm. um, that. Yeah, so that it's not, um, you know, so it can't be confused with anything. And it's not going, I don't, look, it won't be legislation. It'll be, it'll be in the Constitution. It has to be because it needs to override every, it needs to override every um, legislation law and, um, and regulation in Australia. So that means you will need a referendum, though, doesn't it? Oh, of course. But yeah, what, if people, what if people don't know? What if people, what if, what if people like, no? Because, you know, we, we've seen what people have put up with the past two years. What if they're like, no? Because people didn't even vote favour in the past for recognising um, local governments in the Constitution. And so many of our amendments, uh, uh, proposed amendments to the Constitution have failed. Mm. How can you ensure that this is something that everyone gets behind and says, we want this? Because that's... Uh, look, there's, I mean, you're always going to have a, um, you know, uh, 
differences with um, opinion of governments uh, and, and so forth and small, um, you know, small bills that they want to um, uh, want to pass into the constitution, but a bill of rights, I think everybody um, will um, will look to uh, favourably because it it's it's a bill of rights uh, for the individual. Um, it's not encompassing a government. It's not um, it's not a group. It's not a, um, a it's not um, you know encompassing a, a community um, or a gender. Um, or a religion, um, it's it's an individual bill of rights. You know, it's to cover the individual's rights um, from birth. So it's you know, I think a lot of people uh, will look favourably on that. Um, that's my opinion. I, look, there's always you know, we like I said, we we you know, we we are we can't look into the crystal ball. Um, <laughs> yeah. There may there may be a, major, a majority vote against it in Australia for some reason. Um, mm. That would be highly unlikely, um, but it's not a poss- it's not an impossibility. Mm. The possibility that, that could happen, I don't know why. I can't speak for the majority of Australians, um, but I do feel that a great deal of our population want, you know, those rights um, for individuality. And that would go down to everywhere from, you know, um, it would it would fall into um, communities, um, religious groups, gender groups, um, you know, age groups. You know, it, it, it would it would definitely um, help Australians. Uh, it's not a backwards move. Is this something that you think the major parties would? willing to to compromise on and say hey look we'll we'll argue for this if you say you know make it from birth and not from conception or something if these are you know like extremely pro-abortion parties or 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 maybe removing specific sections or or is this something that that needs to be pure and it's either this or it's nothing it needs to be pure i think it needs to be very pure very simple and concise uh with only a few um a few sections or a few points within the bill um i it shouldn't be it shouldn't be long lengthy um you know but look that's not for me to say i mean craig and uh, clive and the united australia party um have um you know they've got their idea on it and i think they i think they will come through with a um with an option that's that will suit um, Australia um, as a whole, um, and you know, for the betterment of the people, for the nation. So, and I think I'll look at that. You know, they're not, you know, they're not silly. Um, you know, I, that's what they that's what they do day and night. You know, the legal writers and the policy writers, um, they look at those things and they put it above, they put it through the table. You know, and they vote on it, and they discuss it, and they, you know, work around and and make sure it covers everything. So I'm sure they will look at um, every every option uh, and every every point and make sure that it's um it's fair and just and it um you know protects the nation as a whole. Absolutely. Um, I'm going to finish with asking you 
about why the UAP's policies are the best ones for the country, ones that we need right now. You can talk about local issues and, uh, and federally as well. And what are the ones that voters mostly to know about? So you've talked about the three major economic policies. So just, just sum up, why should people vote um, for United Australia Party? Because we are the only party that are ready to address the root cause of our, uns, you know, our, our economic instability that's causing, um, that's causing stress on, on everybody in Australia. And I'll go through it again. We, we've got solid policy, as you know, to address the $1 trillion national debt. And to address that, we'll also address hyperinflation. It will address the rising interest rates uh, and it will address the cost of living, um, which will only benefit Australians. And it will address all of that um, without having to increase taxes, and without having to burden the people of Australia any more than what we already are. In fact, we're looking to reduce taxes in certain areas. You know, we're giving uh, 20% um, tax incentives um, to move and to decentralise out of major cities. Um, we're, uh, with our core policies and returning freedoms to the people, um, returning freedom of speech, freedom of choice, freedom of movement, um, freedom for, you know, removing mandates, removing lockdowns, um, bringing back that um, doctor-patient um, confidentiality, um, protecting free speech um, from the foreign tech giants. We are, you know, we are for the, we have the strongest policy in this election to benefit the people of Australia everywhere in just about um, every part of their lives um, that is causing them the most stress. Um, Looking at um, increasing the, the age pension, um, $180 a fortnight. I mean, that should have been addressed years ago. Uh, it should it should move up with the you know, the CPI. Uh, it never does. And wages. I mean, Labor are bringing you know they're addressing. Oh, we're going to increase your wages. Um, they won't be increasing my wages because they can't because I'm a sole trader. Um, and is, I don't know how they're going to increase my wage, so good luck with that. I mean, we're looking at saving um, and coming back into the electorate um, and being the most financially stressed uh, electorate in the New South Wales where we're um, capping, um, you know, we'll, we'll cap the bank mortgage rates at 3% for five years. We are, you know, we will make the first $30,000 of your interest paid tax deductible. So right there, you know, the homeowner is going to get a tax return at the end of the year, an unbel unbelievable tax return. So that's more money back into his pocket. That's more um, you know, ex uh, expendable income that goes back into our economy and therefore, you know, strengthens our economy. So all of these policies all revolve around strengthening our economy and saving the people from hardship. And it works. They all work in unison. Um, you know, we've got, um, uh, you know, we've got three and a half billion dollars in uh, invested superannuation, and over over sorry three and a half trillion dollars, and over a trillion dollars of that super is invested overseas. Return it back into the Australian equities market. You know, bring that back in here, boost our economy. Right, that that's amazing. You know, strengthen our dollar, strengthen our economy, strengthen 
you know, the, 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 the worth of our dollar so that our cost of living comes down. More money generated in our economy floating around um, is, is better for the people as a whole. Um, uh, looking at education, I mean, we're, we're looking with all of these revenue streams coming back into our in, into Australia and into our economy, it gives us opportunity to spend money um, that was initially getting spent to pay the to pay the debt spent, you know, on certain things, and and we will, you know, governments aren't able to, you know, give you, um, you know, free childcare without taking it from somewhere else. Where are they going to subsidise? Like they're going to subsidise free childcare, but they need to either borrow more money, or they need to increase taxes, or they need to put more levies on something, or stamp duties, or increase GSTs. Now they need to. They need to get this revenue from somewhere, and the the people don't realise they need to see past that initial uh, policy uh, promise and find out how it's going to be um, implemented and backed up. Our revenue streams gives us the ability to to put forty billion dollars directly to hospitals, not through state government, where they can you know diffuse it and and um, disperse it as they feel necessary, but give $40 billion straight to the hospitals directly so they can buy, buy things now, um, uh, you know, um, uh, employ more staff, get better equipment, you know, um, straight into the health system. Um, $20 billion over three years back into education. Um, and speaking of education, um, relieving all hex debts, um, 70% of hex is unpaid anyway. There's only 30% of it that actually ever gets paid back. So why not just abolish all hex debt, clean slate, bring back free tertiary education like it used to be? It's, you know, educating our, our future. Um, and we can do that. I mean, that, that all used to happen here. We used to have free education. Um, we used to have capped interest rates um, through the Whitland government up until Keating uncapped interest rates, um, you know, those sorts of things. All of these policies that we've got, a lot of these policies we've got used to be um, enforced um, many years ago that were just removed. Uh, a 15% uh, credit license on uh, iron and oil exports. We had tariffs many years ago and they were taken away. We still pay import tariffs. We still pay tariffs to other countries, but we don't, we don't tariff our exports. You know, we're... We're just letting, we're, we've got the goods. We've got 75% of the global, um, um, you know, iron ore resources. And we've got the, you know, we're the major supplier. Like we've, we've got them where we need them. We can tariff that. You know, they, they can't look to anywhere else. South, South America and, um, and, and Africa supply, you know, 20%. Um, and their infrastructure and their supply reserves, you know, they, that won't last. That won't, that won't see Asia, um, that won't uh, sustain Asia's economy and manu manufacturing. So they'll need to come back to us, you know, those sorts of things. Now our, you know, we've got policy here that, that are going to uh, you know, strengthen Australia, bring our economy back up, um, you know, create uh, you know, you know, a, a solid um, uh, country in the 
international presence. Um, you know, and, and return security and, and stability and wealth back to the people. Um, and it's not hard. You know. It's, you know, it's, it's very easy to do if, if we have the power to implement these policies. Um, and I guess that's the big issue. We need to be able to implement these policies and they all work together. We, just doing one, it kind of, you know, it, it doesn't, we need to have a number of these policies working together um, to be able to, you know, to um, fulfil our vision um, to bring Australia back up for a better future. Well, thank you very much. Thank you. You answered all the questions, easy ones and the hard ones. Um, thank you for your time. Good to, good to have a chat. And I think everyone's... Um, Everyone's more aware of the UAP now that they've listened and uh, I think they'll take a lot from this interview. Look, I definitely hope so, mate. So thanks for, uh, thanks for the interview, anyway, Mitchell. It's good speaking with you. Thank you. Well, that was UAP candidate for Greenway in the upcoming federal election. It's coming up on Saturday. Make sure you vote. And if you're in Greenway, vote number one for Mark Rex. Anyway, thank you for listening to this podcast. Hopefully I'll be back with some more podcasts soon and hopefully have an upbeat tune if Mark Rex and lots of other Freedom Party candidates get in at the election. But until then, thank you for listening. Bye-bye and God bless.